Welcome to the Intesa San Paolo Talks. Hello and welcome to this second episode in our series of Intesa San Paolo Talks podcast, looking at the Italian way to a circular economy. I'm Guy Ruddle and this time I've come to Milan to Intesa San Paolo's Circular Economy Lab. The lab was launched last year at the same time as a 5 billion euro credit facility to support businesses adopting the circular economy and it's dedicated to promoting open innovation and young entrepreneurs. It's located in an old factory, which is now a thriving hub for young and exciting talent committed to responsible business practice. Everywhere you look, there are people in T-shirts and jeans and walking around with iPads and things like that. Later in the episode, I'll be talking to the boss of Frutogel, an Italian food cooperative union, which is changing the way it thinks about packaging to reduce both waste and cost. And we'll be hearing from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation about how we can shift from linear to circular food production. But before all of that, I have with me in the Circular Economy Lab, Max Tellini, Global Head of the Circular Economy at Intesa San Paolo, and Stefano Martini, who's in charge of this lab. Stefano, Max, welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me here. Stefano, can I talk to you first about the lab? I mean, this is a uh, as I say, an, a, an extraordinary space. It's, it's really exciting, everything. It doesn't feel like the sort of space that you'd expect to find a bank in. Oh, yes, of course. It's quite unusual for a bank to, to be located in a place like this. And now hosts the Calipro Factory. That is a company that works in innovation and in develop the young entrepreneurship. And so with them, we are working in the open innovation field in order to support the, the companies that want to shift towards the uh, circular economy. Oh, and again, you, you think about banks and laboratories, and, and I, I think I more think about science and, and things like that in a laboratory. So, so what are you actually doing here? Our target is to support and guide the uh, Italian economic system to shift towards the circular economy. Max, this is obviously an important area for you. You have the lab here. You have a global head of circular economy, you. So what's so important about this area for Intesa San Paolo? Basically, we are talking about how together, and this is why the lab has been set up, we are talking about how this transition could be accelerated. And this acceleration may well come from the open innovation approach in the ways where our customers can be engaged in an amazing conversation with emerging innovators, with uh, ideas, with technological solutions that could provide solutions to some of the problems that the linear model is uh, today demonstrating. But why is that the job of a bank? It's the job of the bank because uh, those customers do need support. And more than support, which is not only the financial one, they need to be understood. What they care is about and finding people that do understand what is the transition is about, what the obstacles are, and some finance is being cited as one of the obstacles to this transition. Yeah, and I said earlier that uh, we were in this in, in the Cariplo factory and that it was all very trendy and lots of people, young people in T-shirts and jeans who haven't shaved for weeks and are walking around with phones instead of computers and, and the like. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? It goes to the real economy goes to companies that are manufacturing and making things and, and you know, actually stuff you can touch and feel. One of those areas is food. Stefano, when you're thinking about the food sector, do you think sort of differently about it in the, to the way you think about other areas of the circular economy? 
Thinking about the food sector, uh, I think we, we have to, to change completely the way we produce and we consume the, the food. In fact, with the Macarthur Foundation and with other partners, we, we found the opportunity to redesign the, the food sector, a system that uh, uh, improves uh, instead of uh, degrade the soil, a system that is designed like a, a carbon sink and not a carbon uh, source in order to be more able to keep the biodiversity and then in order to be more inclusive. So I think it's time to get real and get our hands dirty and, and, and talk to a company that's actually doing this stuff in the food sector. Frutagel is a food cooperative union, which Max, you've been talking to Frutagel yourself, haven't you? Exactly. So they're thinking hard about how to reduce waste, how to become more circular, and at the same time, reduce cost. I spoke to their CEO, their chief executive, Stanislav Fabrino, and I asked him what was motivating the company to do all this work. For Frutagel, is a question of identity. Frutagel, since 2006, is releasing a sustainability report and since uh, its foundation is committed to sharing value, not only for the shareholder, but also for the stakeholder of the company. And uh, the environment is one of the fundamental uh, stakeholders for Frutagel. What are you specifically doing in terms of the circular economy? We report all our activity on the sustainability report that we made uh, every year. And uh, we do... Uh, Several think, think about uh, circular economy. All these activities are concrete and measurable. For example, uh, enhancement and waste recovery and byproduct, particularly packaging more and more sustainable. For example, in uh, 2018, we launched a film package from frozen product uh, totally compostable and increase the energy efficiency of our processes. Can you explain what, what you've done in terms of cutting out plastic straws? We, we are working uh, with, uh, with our partner, especially Tetra Pak, in order to replace uh, and to remove the, the plastic straw on a all single portion bricks. The main goal is to replace it with a paper straw on all product with a children target in fact, uh, only them have an advantage in terms of service about consuming the product in this way and uh, cutting out it for the product designed for adult target. In this case, will be removed the pool tub and the product will be consumed drinking directly from the opening on the top. The priority is to persuade consumers and customers that the straw is not essential. How hard, though, do you think to convince people to move in that direction? Because, as you say, you need the customer to come yeah, with you. Yeah, it's very difficult because it's a question of mentality. The, the hardest issue to, to overcome is uh, the consumer habit to consider it uh, as essential to drink when it isn't. Do you get help from uh, Intesa San Paolo? Intesa San Paolo help us in, in, in three different ways. First, making available a generous amount of money to finance a circular economy project. Second, helping the CSR communication of the company that do not have enough resources to make it by themselves. And third, 
creating opportunities to build a, a network of companies along the entire supply chain of agri-food businesses by encouraging the construction of sustainability projects. The Intesa San Paolo Talks. So that was Stanislao Fabrino, the chief executive of Frutagel. Max Stefano, that sort of story, the Frutagel story, is that a story that other Italian companies and food companies, do you think, can learn from? Absolutely. We do appreciate the need of this change because this is going to create the right demand and business environment for companies to be productive and to be conducive of this kind of new transition. And Stefano, it, it occurs to me that Frutagel is an interesting example because it, we're talking about food, but also we're talking about packaging you know, with, with straws and things like that, which is another part. And, it, and it, it occurs to me that the whole thing is interlinked. You can't sort of separate out. Yes, exactly. I, as I said before, companies must be open to collaborate with other players in different markets because we have to create a value chain that is cross-sector. Intesa San Paolo is the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's global partner for financial services. The foundation's mission is to accelerate the transition to a circular economy and it's recently released a report supported by Intesa San Paolo on the need to move from a linear system of food production to a circular one. I've been speaking to the foundation to find out more. So I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Nick Jeffries. He works on the Food Initiative at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. He's an environmental engineer by profession. Nick, thank you very much for being here. What do you mean by shifting from a linear to circular food production? Uh, Simply put, it is moving from a wasteful and degrading system to one that makes effective use of resources and enhances or regenerates natural systems. And you know, people are always searching for sort of simple things that they can understand, I guess. And I'm sure it's all very, very extremely complicated. But what, what, is there a single most important change that we need to make in the way we produce and consume food, do you think? If you want a single change uh, to the way we make and produce food, we need to grow food and produce food in a way that enhances rather than degrades nature. But I think people need to understand a little bit more about have a better overall understanding of the impacts and connections within our current food system. And at the moment, there is a lot of uncertainty, lack of knowledge and confusion within, you know, within the public and, and, and wide, the, the broader world about things like, you know, is beef bad? It's not a yes and no answer. I thought if it was. I thought beef was bad, full stop. Well, if you are a, a livestock man, say you're a pastoralist or you, you're, you're, you have livestock in a brittle area of the world, an area of the world where if you left it to its own devices, it will probably desertify. Livestock can actually be a tool to bring about fertility and bring about productive land. However, if you are somewhere else and you're, you know, you buy a steak that's produced and it's, you know, from a concentrated animal feed operation in, in, in the US or Brazil or whatever, and where the, the grain that's gone into that cow, there is a six to one protein conversion, and then there's all the, then there's all the fresh water and carbon associated with that, then you could say that that is not such a good thing to do. Are there examples of, of what we should do and the way we should approach this that, that, that sort of bring it to life, that make it easy for people to grasp, grasp hold of and say, yes, I can, I can buy into that? Well, one is diversity. Yeah, At the moment, 12 plant species and five animal species um, are responsible for 75% of our food. 
And actually, there is a wealth of, I think there's 30, 40, 50,000 edible plant species. There's four, 500, 600 animal species. By having more diversity, by using more diverse ingredients in your food products and your recipes, that can have a direct impact on enhancing nature. Even grains, you know, grains, you know, we generally eat maize and, and oats and wheat, but there's also, you know, there's, there's millets and there's rye and there's sorghum and there's, you know, there's, there's loads and loads of grains and many of these grains are very good at fixing nitrogen or, you know, or general nutrient cycling. Well, listening to that was Ludovica Principato, a postdoctorate research fellow in the Business Studies Department of Roma Tre University. She's been researching food waste and more recently the circular economy for nearly 10 years at places like Harvard and Brown, as well as in Rome. Ludovica, thank you very much for, for joining me. How, uh, how much real progress is being made, do you think, in making food production and consumption circular. Up to now, we can say that the flow of material in the food system is basically linear. As inputs to grow our food, for instance, we use raw materials, water, chemical inputs, fossil energy and soil. And just think that 50% of the planet's arable land and about 70% of fresh water demand is taken up by agriculture. You've been in this area for oh, 10 years or so. Um, are there things that you've discovered that you think that we that, that are actually easy for us to do and that we should all be adopting straight away? Just think that 1.3 billion tons of food are wasted globally, and this amount could theoretically feed for four times the 815 million people that are suffering hunger. So, first thing would be not to waste at all. Then uh, another challenge, for instance, considering especially the, the food manufacturer is the importance of facilitating the collaboration between supply chains of different sectors in order to reuse byproducts or secondary raw materials into other production. Just to make an example, there is an interesting case uh, that is called, uh, there is a company called Orange Fiber that creates sustainable fabrics from citrus juice byproducts that would other, otherwise be thrown away. In this case, we can really highlight an excellent partnership between food and fashion sectors. Thank you, Ludovica. Let's give the last word to Nick Jeffries then. Nick, these challenges do seem, you know, when, the way you describe them, the way Ludovica talks about it, they seem enormous. I mean, how feasible is it to actually deliver this stuff? There are enormous challenges. We talk about the food system being the mother of all com complex uh, challenges. But I'm relatively optimistic. There is a real uh, hunger in the, in, in the farming community to sort of farm in a way. They realise they have responsibilities. They're not only commodity producers, they're also stewards of the land. Also, consumer preferences or citizen preferences are changing. People are demanding um, uh, sort of more, you know, vegeta vegetarian food, that they want to know where their food come from. They want to make choices of food that reflects their values. And so from the food producer side, from the citizen demand side, I'm, I'm optimistic. So that's the view from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. And you can find the Cities and Circular Economy for Food report on their website, www.ellenmacarthurfoundation.org. Sometimes I sort of I listen to all this stuff and, I, and, and it's kind of overwhelming there's so much to do. Do you ever get to the point where you just think, oh, it's, it's just too much? As Ellen says, 
Basically, waste is a problem of design. At the center of the circular economy, there is no reuse or recycling, which of course are crucial, but is the concept of redesign. And in redesigning, you have uh, a plenty of opportunities because actually everything has been already designed. Everything has to be redesigned. So the ambition is bold, but again, is up to the task of being responsible for the times that we are living in. And finally, both of you, you know, there are lots of people in this world who have, frankly, quite boring jobs. You, you two don't, do you? It must be fantastic working in such a sort of exciting, innovative, challenging area. To me, the most fascinating is that a bank, as you were anticipating, in Tesa San Paolo, has been uh, embracing this challenge. And uh, I believe that the vision of our leadership has been an encouraging factor for other players in the industrial and also in the institutional and, and financial sectors to uh, lead the way. And so for us, the transition is a sort of standard corporate social responsibility, a sort of sustainability approach, which has been as a sort of watchdog. Here, we are trying to make it a truffle dog. We are trying to make sure that we are able to induce in our counterparts, being the customers, institutions, and so on, a common vision to transform the economic system where we are living in. Do you feel like a truffle dog, Stefano? <laughs> a little bit. In any way, this is an exciting job, you know, because innovation is always to learn something new in your job. And then the bank started some years ago uh, using innovation as a key factor for the development. So it's really, really an exciting journey. Gentlemen, it's been fascinating. Thank you very much for having us here at the, uh, at the Circular Economy Lab. I think if you can probably hear in the background that as we've been talking, it's been getting busier and more people have been arriving. And the, there is this real sense of energy and excitement and news. It's not a very technical term, but new stuff going on. And it's great to, to, to have had the experience of being in this environment. Thank you both very much for being here. Thank you for your wisdom. That's it for this episode of the Intesa San Paolo Talks, the Italian way to a circular economy. If you've enjoyed it and want to hear more, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Intesa San Paolo Talks, the Italian way to a circular economy, presented by Guy Ruddle.